Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's turn to the last book of the Bible, book of the Re- Revelation. I'm going to be reading the first eight verses. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from who, him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, has freed us from our sins by his blood, He's made us to be a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we need understanding of your Holy Word this morning, help us to be tuned in, our ears and our hearts open. And we just pray the things that we have prepared, you'll give us understanding of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The revelation of Jesus Christ, that's the uh, name of this message. And that's what it is. It's the revelation from Jesus Christ, not from John the Apostle. The book of Revelation, not Revelations, the book of Revelation, otherwise known as the Apocalypse. It's revealed truth, Revelation. It's revealed truth 
given by Jesus Christ. Jesus gave it to the angel, and the angel gave the message to the apostle John to pass it on to the church, not just the early church, but also us, church. St. John was a witness of what he saw, and he told all those who would read it, those that will hear it, and those of us that obey it, what's written in the book of Revelation will be blessed. Now, in the way of introduction, before we begin this study of Revelation, we did the introduction last week, it's vitally important to remember that this book contains a lot of symbolism, a lot of symbolism. Obviously, there's many different interpretations. Nevertheless, those symbols represent things that are true and real. Just because they're symbols doesn't mean that they're not real and they're not true. They represent something. For example, we take communion, don't we? And you've got the elements there. They are symbols of a reality, the blood and, and the body of Christ, but they are still symbols. It doesn't alter the fact that they are, it's real and it's true. And that's what revelation is. There's a lot of symbolism in it. And we need to remember that. I'll just get in the way of some background information from last week. John, he became the leader of the church in Ephesus following the death of the apostle Paul. Now exiled on the island of Patmos, John writes to the churches that had been established in that region. Uh, John, he says in verse 4, to the seven churches which are in Asia. So how many churches were there in that region? Seven. Those seven churches, which included Ephesus, were founded in the capital cities of what is now called, in those days anyway, Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Western Turkey. All right, so there were seven churches established there. John continues, grace and peace to you from him. Now, this is a, a typical greeting often used by the Apostle Paul in his letters, grace and peace. Grace and peace. And, you know, the only way you can receive grace and peace and joy is by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard a preacher recently say, sometimes we go around like we've been baptized in vinegar. <laughs> grace and peace. Wonderful gift from God. Um, by his grace, we have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. We've been adopted into his family. By his grace we've been saved, and by his grace God enables us to remain faithful as his children, while at the same time experiencing God's peace. Amen? We've got in the Constitution, we, we have the pursuit of happiness, but happiness is normally what happens to us. We're happy when something good happens to us, right? But that's not what the Bible is talking about. We, 
regardless of the circumstances, we can still experience the joy and the peace of God. And that's not, any, it's not anything to do with happiness. The world tells us, you know, happiness is found uh, in happy hour. You go happy hour, that's going to make you happy. Or you go, you go to McDonald's and get a happy meal. <laughs> one's going to make you drunk and the other one's going to make you fat. <laughs> it's not going to do you good. It's not going to do you any good. That's not the peace of God that passes all understanding. And I thank Michael Youssef for that. I've got to give him the credit. My, my, my friend Michael Youssef. All right, let's carry on. And I'm not even sure we're going to get through all the eight verses, but I'd love to. So there's a lot in it. And this, I don't know how long it's going to take. I, we met with Pastor McConchie, who was a minister at the First Baptist, uh, yeah, was it? North Leverett Baptist Church. And uh, we met with him and his wife, Phyllis, over dinner. And I was telling him I was going to start teaching in, in the book of Revelation. I said, he said, I, yeah, I preached on that. I said, how long did it take you? He said, well, I, I got to about six months. And then there was a couple of uh, our elders, who, and it came to us, you know, maybe it's time for a change. <laughs> and I said, well, did you change it? He says, no, I carried on. <laughs> You don't change halfway through. You finish it, right? Once you started, we'll finish. There used to be a, a, a program on TV in England called Mastermind. I don't know if we had that here. And uh, Magnus Magnusson was the host. He says, I've started, so I'll finish. That was his claim to fame. Okay, so that's useless information that you don't need to know about. Who is... But grace and peace to you from him. Who's he talking about? Who is? Who was? And who is to come? God's eternal presence is not limited by time and space. God has always existed and he always will exist. There has never been a time when God did not exist, before everything he created, before the physical things he created, he has always existed. He is eternal. He was and is and will be now and forevermore. Amen. He is always present with us. And one day he'll return. He'll come back again. And from the seven spirits, who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Here we have symbolism. doesn't alter the fact that it's real and true. I think it really means the Holy Spirit and the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. The Bible, in the Bible... The number seven is the perfect number. And it represents God's complete perfection, number seven. So the seven in the seven spirits mentioned can't be referring to seven different spirits of God. Why? Because there's only one spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is God. Amen? 
And from the seven spirits, notice the capital S, which are before the throne, I believe. That is the Holy Spirit. The seven being the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. I haven't got time to go into it. I could, but that's not what's in my notes. Just take my word to it. If you want to come up with a different interpretation, let me know. Verse 5, from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Jesus was, always will be, faithful. Even when people are not faithful, when we're not faithful, we can totally rely on Jesus to be faithful. Amen. He always told the truth. He is the truth. Therefore, his word is true, and it can be totally relied upon. The word of God, it is God's breathed. It is inspired by God. We can totally rely on the word of God because Jesus in his word is faithful and true. He continues talking about Jesus, the first begotten of the dead. In the history of mankind, Jesus Christ was the first person ever to be resurrected from the dead. We serve a living savior, not a dead savior. Likewise, all believers in Jesus Christ will one day receive their resurrected bodies when he returns and we meet him in the air. The rapture, and that's just another name, like I've said before, the rapture is just another name for resurrection. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. Are you waiting for it? Yes. You're going to hear the trumpet sound, yes. and before you have time to think about it, you're going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And the twinkling of an eye, how fast can you blink? It's going to happen that fast, and we're going to receive a resurrected body. Just like that. Hope he waits till the sermon's over. <laughs> Some of you said, no, let's have it now. <laughs> let's go. All right. We're talking about Jesus. The prince of the kings of the earth. Now we know Jesus is the, prin the prince of peace. Amen. Jesus is the prince of peace. But he's also... The king of kings. The king of kings. He says here, the prince of the kings of the earth. Try to compare Prince Charles with the Lord Jesus, eh? No comparison. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Although Charlie's not king yet, but he will be before long. Let's just uh, remember what Philippians chapter 2 9 and 11 says to us, this is talking about Jesus. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. And every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, if they don't believe him now, they soon will. And they're going to bow the knee and they'll confess that Jesus is Lord. To him who loves us. Isn't it wonderful to know that God loves us? What's that verse? God loves even me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes we don't love ourselves, do we? By the things, you know, the things we think about, the things we may have done, the things that we want to do. But we know that God always loves us. The unconditional love. He loves me. To him who loves us. Now, this is, uh, this is not talking about love that we are familiar with. This is agape love. This is God's love. It's pure. It's supernatural. It's love beyond human comprehension. Unless you've experienced it. Have you experienced the God of love? God's love. Have you experienced agape love? Personally, you can. You should have done. You should. But when you experience it personally, when you receive the God of love, himself the lord jesus he is the source of love he is the source of god's love he is god the love of god flow, flows from the source of love jesus jesus himself in fact jesus loves us loves you so much that he was willing to leave the peace and the tranquility of heaven and die a criminal's death on a cruel cross so you could be saved from your sins, could be saved from your sins' condemnation. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, John 15, 13. And what else has he done as well as loving us? He said that he has freed us from our sins by his blood. Only Jesus was willing, only Jesus was able to come down to this sin-sick world. Would you want to come back? I don't come down to this sin-sick world, suffer excruciating pain and humiliation to shed his sinless, precious blood so we could be cleansed from all our unrighteousness. Amen? When we receive the Son of Righteousness, Jesus Christ, we put on his robe of righteousness. That's how God sees us. He doesn't see old, old Jim. He sees his son in me, you see. Thank God that he does. Amen. Thank God. <laughs> right, let's go to verse 6. Talking about Jesus. And has made us to be a kingdom of priests. That's you. To serve his God and Father. 
To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. In the Old Testament, the high priest, they were only, the high priest was only allowed to enter into the presence of God in the Holy of Holies once a year. That's all. But now all those that have received Jesus Christ have the right to enter into God's presence at any time. I alluded to that before we went into prayer. We can go directly into the throne room. Now, we don't have to go through a priest. We go through our intercessor, Jesus Christ, whoever lives to make intercession for us. Directly into the throne room. He has made us a kingdom of priests, the Bible says. And let's, let's go quickly to uh, First Peter. I'll turn to it. First Peter two nine. Well, let's just read eight for us. Though you have not seen him, you love him. That's that's strange, isn't it? We love Jesus, even though we've never seen him. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. All right? Filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He has made us a kingdom of priests. I don't have the right verse here. No, it's, verse, it's chapter 2. I wonder. Okay, well, that was good. I guess we needed that one too. All right, chapter 2. But you are a chosen people. That's you. A royal priesthood. How about that? A holy nation. A people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He's made us a kingdom of priests. How does that make you feel? Should make us uh, maybe act like a royal priesthood, amen? A royal priesthood. So I like good priests, and we know there's good priests and not so good. We must live a consecrated life to God. A consecrated life to God. We offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. As a royal priesthood, which we are, the church, we don't offer up a bloody sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament. We offer up spiritual sacrifices of praise and worship. That is the whole purpose of being here today, being part of the body of Christ, offer up praise and worship to God. So we are a royal priesthood. Don't forget that. And this is what's going to happen in the future. It's predicted right here in verse 7. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him, so shall it be. It's going to happen. Amen. Amen. He is coming with the clouds. 
Now, this refers to Christ's second coming to earth to establish his kingdom on earth. It's not referring to the rapture of the church. That, that's where we meet the Lord in the air. In the Old Testament, God often appeared in a blazing light called the Shekinah glory or the glory cloud. Now, when Jesus returns the second time, which he certainly will, he will set his feet on the earth and his glory will be visible to everybody. He says, every eye will see him. Now, the Bible confirms this in many places, but Peter again, this is what he said in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 and 11. Now listen. And when he, referring to Jesus, he, Jesus, had spoken these things, why they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked, who were they? These are the disciples. Okay? While they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who was that? Who's that? Angels. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, talking to the disciples, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. There it is. He's coming back. Every eye will see him. It says, even those who pierced him. Even those who pierced him. What's he referring to? When he was crucified, his hands and his feet. Amen? But this can't possibly refer to the Roman soldiers, can it? Those who pierced him. That can't refer to the Roman soldiers who crucified Jesus, but the ones that were responsible for Jesus' death. All right, the ones that are responsible for Jesus' death. Now, this is what the Bible says, Acts of the Apostle, chapter 3, 13 and 15. Again, Peter, who was also a Jew, this is what he says, quote, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is Acts chapter 3, 13, 15, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You, who's he talking to? You have handed him over to be killed. Who's he talking to? And you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released 
To you, who's he referring to? You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. In Zechariah chapter 12, he identifies the ones who pierced him as the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Who are we talking about? Is it, do you need to, me to spell it out? When they see Jesus return again, they will reap tears of repentance because of what their forefathers did to their Messiah. Let's go to Zechariah. Let's read what it said. There's a prophecy. Just don't take my word for it. Zechariah chapter 12. And the heading is mourning for the one they pierced. Chapter, chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David. Who are we talking about here? And the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Do we need to paint a picture? A spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. On that day, when he talks about that day, so always we're talking about the return of Jesus Christ. On that day, the weeping in Jerusalem will be great like the weeping of Hadad Rimon on the plain of Megiddo. The land will mourn. What land are we talking about? Have you figured it out yet? Is it so obvious? The land will mourn, each clan by itself, with their wives by themselves. The clan of the house of David and their wives. The clan of the house of Nathan and their wives. The clan of the house of Levi and their wives, the clan of Shimei, and their wives, and all the rest of the clans, and their wives. They will mourn the people of Israel. They will see, every eye will see, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will weep and repent because of what their forefathers did to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says. Every eye will see him. Not just the people of Israel. Every eye. Even those that only got one eye. Every eye will see him. All people on earth will mourn because of him. Now this is a different type of mourning. It's not a morning of repentance because they crucified the Messiah or responsible for getting Jesus crucified. No, they're going to be mourning for themselves. All the people of the earth 
who have rejected Jesus Christ and those that will witness his second coming to the earth will mourn greatly. But their mourning is not a genuine repentance like the people of Israel. Oh no, it's a conviction of their sins. They will mourn for themselves out of fear of being punished for their sins. And great, we've got one more verse. We're making, making good progress here. So there's a lot to take in. Final verse, verse eight. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God. And he repeats again, verse four. Did you get it? Who is? And who was? See, he repeats it in case we didn't get it the first time. Who is? And who was? And who is to come? The Almighty. I am. First words of Jesus to John. Identifies himself as the Alpha and Omega. These are the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet and he says I am I am that's referring to God the Lord God almighty this title signifies God revealing himself to mankind in the form of Jesus Christ Jesus is God the Holy Spirit is God God the Father is God but only one God it's like the Muslims say we worship three gods no we don't we worship one God Jesus says, I and my Father are one, not two, not three. You've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus says. Now this is confirmation to the Apostle John that Jesus Christ is the Almighty One who was, who is, and who will surely come. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I'm loving this and I'm so excited. And this is just a, a snippet, a foretaste, an hors d'oeuvre of the main course to come. All right? Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. We can't use mere words to express the joy and the thankfulness in our hearts to you, who is, who was, and who is to come. We have a wonderful, wonderful, abundant life, and we have a wonderful future, and we're so glad that we don't have to stand before the great white throne judgment and pay the penalty for our sins, because you've already paid that penalty for us on that cross. Thank God that you did it, Lord Jesus. You paid the penalty. You suffered and died in our place. And those that call upon your name shall be saved. I hope and pray, wherever you are, wherever you are listening to this message, call upon the name of Jesus to save you before it's too late. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. 
You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.